You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And today, the Pacers finally are back and playing again, and nonetheless, on national TV on TNT. They got flexed out of this game on national TV, and then COVID meant the team that got flexed in is now flexed out because what is more 2021 than that? <laughs> so time to talk about the Pacers basketball games again. They've got a really important stretch of games coming up. They've got a lot to focus on right now as a lot goes on around the team. Herb Simon spoke last week. I can go on and on about topics. So there's a lot to talk about. And joining me to do that from WTHR's sports team doing sports reporting every day, Miss Taylor Tannenbaum. Taylor, how's it going? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to talk a little bit of Pacers before this holiday. I know they TNT went, they went like Nets and Kyrie Irving on the Pacers. They were like, we don't want you. And then COVID happened. They were like, now we need you. <laughs> they, yeah, they didn't want the Pacers. They need yeah, They were like, now we need you. So I'm excited to, to get to watch this nationally televised game against my hometown team. And the Miami Heat, so it'll be fun. I think it's a good opportunity for the Pacers here. Well, see, on one hand, a lot of players for the Heat are out, and I think the Pacers can beat the Heat. But two things are at play here. One, the Pacers played the Heat without half their team earlier this month and got smoked. And two, the Pacers have never played well on national TV ever in the history of time. So this game is a Heat win by 20, basically by default. Let's let's uh, hope that doesn't happen, but may the odds be ever in their favor because you're right. It has been stacked against them for a really long time. Don't prove TNT wrong, Pacers. (laughs) They need to prove TNT wrong because they kind of have an important stretch coming up. And I didn't actually realize this until I did a mailbag yesterday and someone said, is it possible the Pacers can still get to the sixth seed and make the playoffs in the East? And I read the question. I was like, the hell is this question? No, of course not. They've been awful this year. And then you look at the East and the sixth seed is a 500 basketball team. And all these teams from 6 to 13 where the Pacers are, are sitting between 50 and 40 win percentage. They're only games out of six. And I want to be the optimist who says they have a shot at it because the Pacers have been terrible. But if they are going to get themselves in the conversation where it's not embarrassing to say that they have a shot at the sixth seed, this stretch up through January 2nd is going to be huge because after they play the Cavs on the second, they play Knicks, Nets, Jazz, Celtics twice, Suns, Clippers, Lakers, Warriors, Suns on a road trip. So that is insanely hard. They have to do well before that stretch. And that is from now until January 2nd against the Cavs. Taylor, what do you feel like the Pacers need to do and how well do you feel like they need to play in this upcoming stretch to keep their season kind of alive given everything going on around the team? Well, you mentioned the team right now in six places is a 500 team. And if if the Pacers, you if they win the next five games, which is where you hit that January 2nd mark, they'll be a 500 team. They could be a 500 team starting the new year, as you like you mentioned, get ready for January, which I think like 10 of their 16 games in January are on the road. And you mentioned it's that major West Coast swing. Not a single team in there is, is an easy cake team. Um, so you can hope that they head into January, potentially with a 500 record, and you never know ahead of you what's going to do. But in these next five games, they're all majority of them are teams ahead of them. You have the Hornets, you have the Heat, um, who else did you mention? There was, there was twice. Yeah. The bulls That's twice. The These one. are all teams that are above them in the standings. And it's not like they're light years above them. Uh, aside from the bulls, you know, the Hornets and the heat are right there. Um, so if you can pick up a couple wins against them, this could be major for this team. Not to mention you like to think at this point, they're starting to get a little bit of healthier, a little bit healthier. Um, 
I know we'll talk about it, but Karis LeVert looks like he's playing really good basketball. I know. Should I knock on wood? Should, ooh, my dog didn't like that. <laughs> Sorry, but patients are healthy. That merits barking every time. Yeah. Um. So I just think I just think they're gonna have to play. For me, I think defensively is where they in that little streak, that three game streak that they had recently, where they finally broke that streak against the Warriors, in which they actually played pretty well defensively. I would say. Um until the final stretch down there. Um, that's going to be the key for them. It's, it's what Rick Carlisle has been talking about since the beginning. It's just play defense. And I don't know whether it was what they implemented, the changes when Carlisle was there, whether it was Lloyd Pierce kind of taking the reins, and maybe it was just a nice little shakeup for them at, at a pivotal time when they were kind of drowning there. Um, it just seemed like they had a little bit of renewed life, even though the Milwaukee loss a couple days ago um, was not pretty. If that game didn't happen, so much of their last two weeks would just look like awesome. Like exactly, you, it would basically be trade rumors came out, and then they kick ass for two weeks, and they only right. lose to the, the best team in the league with Steph having like the monument night of the season where he potentially breaks the record. Instead, they go into Milwaukee and get their butts kicked. They have been playing really good defense since, and this is a stupid anecdote, but. Rick Carlisle talked earlier this season about how he loves rest days, and they hadn't had a rest day at home until like January 5th or something. I don't know the exact day. Around there. Right. And then after that, they started playing awesome, and they went on that three-game win streak. Yeah, it was the fifth. How lucky. They went on that three-game win streak. They almost beat Golden State, right? That really helped them. They just had four days of that again. Uh, Rick's back, right? I don't know how much Rick and Lloyd coaching actually really impacted how they played, but... Lloyd is the defensive guy, but if they can keep that level of defense up against, you know, Miami just hung like 115 on them earlier this month without half their team. Houston is very good on offense. Chicago is very good on offense. Charlotte, Cleveland, all good offensive teams this season. If they can keep that defense up in this stretch against teams that, like you said, are ahead of them, but none of those teams are, maybe the Bulls are awesome, but they did beat the Bulls, are awesome. Like if you can win five out of six of these or even four out of six of these and you're 17 and 20, I don't know why in my head. 17 and 20 sounds a lot better than 13 and 18, and it's not that much better. But it just feels yes. like they're they're in yeah. that striking distance that they need to be. And they always talk about how they just need to be close. You know, I think it's really important that that defense holds against these teams these next six games because that could change the way they view everything they do for the rest of the season. Yeah, you don't want to head into this January and that and that long West Coast road trip trip feeling like you are already done. You want to at least have some glimmer of hope, right? So maybe you can pick pick two or three up on the road, maybe one or two. I mean, three might be optimistic against those teams. I think they play the Suns here at home, and then they go and play them on the road again, and then it's Golden State Clippers. It's just it's it's a lot. If you can feel optimistic, that's good. And hey, with all this COVID stuff that's going on, you never know who a team is going to have, what they're going to be able to do. Like this is the time right now is to take advantage of what you can. And the Pacers actually, I feel like are have a prime opportunity to do so. Like you mentioned coming off of like three, four days of rest um, and, and feeling pretty good before that Milwaukee loss. The biggest Pacers advantage right now in any of these games is they have zero players in health and safety protocols, which yeah. is like a depressing fact, but half the NBA has got literally half their team out and is signing guys out of the G league. who are playing in the G league showcase right now. You got you got to beat those teams. Like you have to take advantage of those games. The Pacers have been terrible about taking advantage of those games this season. But if these six games, if they go three and three or worse, I'll probably look back and say that was the stretch where they had a chance to make up some of that ground from their early season woes and really look like the team that they want to be, and they blew it. If they can go four wins in this six or better, I think that that would be a success and would set them up for some sort of push in through January that won't just end at the end of the year. 
Agree. And I know we don't necessarily talk about consistency a lot with this team because it always feels like someone's out that shouldn't be out. I know they're missing TJ McConnell and we're still waiting on TJ Warren to fully, you know, get back in this rotation potentially. But um, it seems like right now they could be pretty consistent when it comes to rotation wise. Um, and, and that can be huge because they're, they're still kind of trying to figure some things out. They still do have I, I know Rick Carlisle is a Hall of Famer, but it's still the first year head coach. Um, so consistency matters. Uh, so if they can stay consistent and healthy right now, and Malcolm obviously dealing with that Achilles right now, I'm sure getting some rest was helpful for him. This That could be pivotal. Yeah, that is is going to be big for them as well. And they got a stretch coming up that obviously wins are the important thing and that matters. And Rick Carlisle will never be a guy that says anything other than winning is the focus yes. of a team. But I will say for a team that is 13 and 18 and is the subject of trade rumors, you could kind of think about – what the Pacers do for their last 50-whatever games, 52, math is hard, uh, 51 actually, math is even harder. Uh, and what do they kind of focus on? Because if they are going to be a rebuilding or retooling or whatever the hell you, vernacular you want to use team, you might think, hey, give Chris Duarte the ball a little more. He's the future of your team. He's the guy you're going to have for the longest of your core right now. And if you're trying to win, you might be trying to get your starters more involved and your vets more focused. And if you are thinking about really rebuilding, you might be trying to give Karras his really big focus and Miles his really big focus and whoever's on on the trade block in actuality. I'm just going off of reporting. Right. You might want to feed the beast a little more. Like how do, how do you feel like they should kind of focus their approach to games? And I know you can balance all those things, but if you were them or if, if you could consult them, how would you kind of tell them to structure their approach to games? Well, I think still right now winning has to be the focus because they're not fully out of it, right? Um, yep. I, I don't think – I want to – like, yes, you want to develop Chris Duarte and um, Jackson, right, Jackson. But the thing for me is is you have guys that – you can still take Chris Duarte off the bench and still try and win and while still developing him in the meantime. Um, so for me, I think their focus still has to be winning. Um, I, I think – as they still try to figure out this team and Rick Carlisle tries, Carlisle tries to play, you know, Miles and Sabonis together. And, and Karras is now kind of fully back in full swing where, you know, they just recently, not too long ago, made the decision to put Duarte back on the bench. Now you kind of see how it works. I say give it a month or so. Keep winning. This team's never going to tank. They're too too good to tank, I think, and not good enough, like too good to, to, fake, to fake it. Like you can't fake, fake it. Yeah. This team can't fake losing. That they have good pieces. Are they good together? They have not proven that. But um, I think winning still has to be their focus. I think especially with this fan base, uh, it's really tough to to just be like, hey, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna experiment and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna develop some guys. They're not gonna buy it, especially because it's not like you're developing a player on the bench or a young player that has already a big name. Like, yes, Chris Duarte has already done some really good things and he started to pick up some steam. It's not like you have like an Anthony Edwards on the bench. Granted, he made an instant impact in, in Minnesota, but it's not like you have a guy who's sitting on the bench where he had this crazy bright future already and people really are dying to see him. You, I think you still have to stick with the guys that you have, especially if you're, if you're preaching, we like the team that we have, you got to roll with it. Hey, y'all, let's take one short little break here to talk about the good folks over at Truebill because do you know why free trials renew without your consent? Because it is a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions. 
and one tap, and your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. They have over 2 million users and have helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. It can save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. Let's, of course, also talk about BetOnline.ag, who has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues the march to the playoffs, BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today. You can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. I think wins, like we said, because of this stretch, I think wins right now would be my answer too. Yes. Uh, and early in the season, they got away, got away with the strong word, but they, Duarte was playing so good, they could do two things at once. Right. And that has not been the case recently. He got hurt and then he came back from getting hurt and was bad and then surged really hard. And now he's kind of slumping again. He's hit that point where I think this has kind of been asked of him a few times. Hey, you played 27 games at Oregon. Now you're 31 into the NBA and you have 51 to go, you know, like that's the point for these rookies. They're like, Oh my, I have how many games left to play? Like it's like SOS. Right. Yeah, in December, Duarte is shooting 42% from the field, 26% from three, 12 points a game, two assists a game, right? He's definitely still learning how to pass. He's had some real stinkers of a game, that one for six game against Golden State. If he goes two for six, they win, right? He right. goes two for 10 against Dallas, and they end up winning that one. It didn't matter, right? Five for 13 against Atlanta, five for 13 again against Detroit, right? He, he just had some, he had the really good game against the Knicks. I don't want to belittle that. That was huge. He, that right. was maybe his best game of the season, but. Right now, it's hard to both let him be Chris and win. They have to kind of choose. Having him with the bench makes a lot of sense. I don't featuring the guys for trades is something I think about as something they might try to do. But with everyone healthy, they can't. Right, like Brogdon and Sabonis exist and are awesome and need the ball, so they can't do that. So for me, it's just development and wins. How do you balance those things? And if Chris is playing like this, you kind of have to choose wins and still just play with them off the bench. Maybe try to sneak Goga five minutes or Isaiah Jackson five minutes a game. Right. They were doing that earlier in the season and have kind of stopped. But if the, if this six-game stretch goes poorly, I think we'll see more of that. I, that's it's what I think great. is going to happen. Uh, or, or whatever the Pacers have decided that date is. In my head, it's the January 3rd. In their head, maybe it's something else. But right now, I think wins, wins is the answer to that question. But I can see, like, starting in January, oh, look, Goga's playing every game again. Like, he just had that insane D-League stint that probably means nothing but might mean something. Right. So. <laughs> Who knows what? Who knows what to make of that? But th- I think that's something they'll try to focus on. Like Goga played ten games in a row early in the season, or yeah, eight games and, in a row. Excuse me, and nine of ten. So. It's fun to have him out there. Sometimes I feel like he does generate a little bit of um, passion out there when he gets out there. I do, and, and the one thing I know, Chris Duarte has even said it. He feels like he's still learning a lot watching from the bench and then coming off the bench. Like yep. when it comes to, I, I feel like people don't realize that, and maybe they do, but that doesn't just mean he has to be playing for him to be developing, right? He can also watch from the bench and still play key minutes and still get some, some key, you know, score some key points for them off the bench, but can still also be watching from the bench while other guys are out there, guys that, you know, he's trying to be at that level eventually. And you hope that maybe he fills in a role if these trades, uh, you know, come to fruition or if, or if there's a, you know, big blow up after the season. Um, 
he's still learning. So there's, they still can develop him while still using him as a key piece, but also still trying to win with their main, their main guys. And I think as far as, you know, trying to feature guys for trade, for trade purposes, those guys themselves are going to want to, going to try, I feel like a little bit harder when you're a professional, you know, you don't have to tell them twice. Like, Hey, you, you're, you're, you're your own business, right? The Pacers are a business, just like each player themselves is their own business. Uh, they're going to take advantage of whatever time they have out there. That's a hundred percent true. I, that's so hard to think about as a fan of a team. Like you want your guy to be so bought into the the success and the culture and everything like that. And they are, they are right. Yeah. That's part of their business too. But like, what, what's the Jay-Z quote? I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman like that. It's so like, true. That, that is every NBA player. Like, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to say Karis LeVert is playing great right now because he's, you know, there's trade rumors going on, but I'm not going to say that doesn't feed it. That doesn't play a factor. He did say he likes being in trade rumors like two weeks ago. So hey, who knows? A little, extra uh, fire. little extra fire. Yeah, he was in them constantly with the net. So I understand why he feels that way and thinks that way. Taylor, I don't remember exactly when you started with WTHR, it but the summer of 2018. Perfect. So now I can say for sure, because the last time Herb spoke before last week was the all-star game announcement for Indy in 2017, that this is your first time since you lived here, that he has spoken yes. media on the record, which that I still kind of maintain. I, he said a lot of stuff that is very revealing and very much a story. The fact that he spoke at all is kind of the story to me because so, so much has happened to the Pacers this year that their owner was like, I got to stop this. I got to talk myself. I think that is is really crazy. And I'm curious what you thought of him speaking and what he said. And it's crazy because there was so much that went on over the last couple of years with the Victor stuff. And he never came out and spoke. All right. Um, and that was still that was a pretty big deal. I would say that was even a bigger deal than this. And and he still stayed. You know, he lets other people do their jobs, um, which I think a lot of people probably like when when you have an owner like that. I, I would say you don't always want your owner in in uh in the hands of a business, like kind of like the Cowboys have it that way. That's just the way that it is. Um, I thought he was really transparent and straightforward. I do think a little too optimistic. Um, but again, this is his team. He loves this city. He loves this team. He's seen a lot of great things happen with this team. But that was, you have to look at the at the calendar. That was almost two decades ago now. Right. Um, yeah, well, a little less, but you know, that, that was a long time ago. It might seem like, you know, the two thousands was not that, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but it was. So you have to be realistic in this, in this, in this day and age, two players have changed. I feel like a lot as well. Um, so like I said, you are your own business. It's a little bit more of a selfish league as well, but I don't know. I, I thought, I thought it made sense when he says, you know, we're not going to tank. I think we can rebuild through, you know, retooling. And I agree with that. I think he's right about that. I don't need, think they need to blow the whole thing up I think they have great pieces they just don't all go together but for him to say we have a really good team but the key word he said was Kevin Pritchard put together a great team on paper like yeah he did but that's on paper and right. it's on paper for this is going into the second season now like what are we doing so um I think I think some of it is just him being a little too optimistic and I think that that we're going to see a little bit more in the next two months. And then it's going to maybe require him to speak a lot sooner than another four years. Yes. Uh, I, I shared a lot of those points the optimism point. Like, like every fan's going to disagree with his optimism because they're 13 and 18 and they missed the playoffs right. last year. But I understand why Herb Simon, the guy who hired all these people and spent all the money and is, you know, is around the team every day. I get why he specifically is going to be optimistic, right? Because no one thinks they're wrong. Like no, even when I make decisions, I don't think I'm wrong until literally the last possible moment that I can be possibly think I'm right. And then I'm wrong. 
Right. So in Herb's eyes, he's like, oh, I'm spending the 15th most money in the league on my roster. I hired Kevin Pritchard to make these decisions. I hired Rick Carlisle to coach his team. Like, yeah, I believe in it. I picked these people out, right? right? So I get why he's optimistic because of that. But they also aren't very good. And he'll never tank. I get I get why he's like that. The owner makes those decisions. It's not going to be what fans agree with ever, especially in a market like this. Right. So going through the middle and being that optimistic guy is really hard. And I, I applaud him for thinking that that's a strategy he can do, especially as fan apathy continues to do whatever it does. I know a lot of, yeah, you know, know. you've been to games, you've seen the crowds. So I, I don't know what the next step is or how he kind of handles it, but I was surprised to hear his level of optimism. And I think that, something else he said that was interesting is he always talks about how he he really trusts his decision makers and he's seen Donnie go through this process and do a great job of building the team that's really good and then Larry Bird did it and did all this stuff to make the team really good and he said Kevin will do it now but then he also has these constraints that he puts in on his own views about basketball about team building it's like if you really trust these guys like I get that you're the owner but let them go let them do their thing that's that's something that I kind of wish I would have asked him a little more about is like why why do you kind of impose your own feelings on this, but he's the owner. It's what he does. So I get why he's optimistic and I think he, he's kind of right to be, but at the same time, the results are kind of slapping him in the face. I also don't think that, I mean, I, I think he's like way optimistic that he thinks any top five or top three player is going to oh, come yeah. willing. Oh, yeah. like, and I know he has to say that. And, and granted, like I've moved to Indianapolis. I like Indianapolis. I think it's a great place, but like, I, you know, you've, you've gauged players here. You've, you know, from the Colts to the Pacers, like, none of them rarely very few of them live here when it's not season and that's not because it's a knock on the city necessarily but it's cold it's in the middle of nowhere um there are just better places to live and and that's no knock on them so it, it is a really fine line i feel like it's 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 kind of difficult because to tank or to get a top pick you have to be really bad but this team isn't willing to be really bad so what are you going to do about it you have to hope you hit in the draft. And like, granted, I know Chris Duarte can be great long-term, but he didn't come with that super superstar label. So it it's tough. So no, I don't think also, I know he said, like, I do believe we can get a top three. I just don't think foresee that ever happening. Hey, let's take one more quick little break to talk about the great people over at Boost Mobile, because you listen to podcasts like this one for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to all the latest episodes, the power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too, and the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile. Disclaimer. Free phone, limited to new customers, and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offer coverage not available everywhere for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for more details. Uh, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> Outside of guys literally from here, I don't think they ever can. Like Hayward right. they could have got, but he's he, literally he's from here. You know what I mean? Like right. LeBron in Cleveland, and that I'm not comparing Hayward and LeBron at all. Just the situation. Like that's the only reason the Cavs were able to get LeBron. We all know that, right? Yes. So like that's what it's going to take is like, the, the one of the best 10 players on the planet being from here. And maybe he's right in that way, but and you yeah, never know. It's possible. You never know. Maybe I become a basketball star in the next 10 years. And then, or yay, look, listen, I'm not going to say it, but I'm not, not going to say it. Jaden Ivy is pretty good. And I know he's <laughs> probably going to go really high in the draft next year, but um, 
you know, he's an Indiana kid through and through. And uh, you never know how bad the Pacers are going to end up this season. So I'm just saying. Uh, you know, being from South Bend, I just call him Chicago kid. I mean, maybe he's an That's Indiana fair. kid, but. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you know. Everyone, everyone north of like Kokomo, like at Chicago. That's fair. <laughs> I just want to be Chicago. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to beat the Herb stuff to death because, like, I think everything he said, he's right to feel that way, and he's seen and he has seen this team do exactly what he says they're going to do again. I just think it's really hard, and he said a lot of things that, like, I think he gets how hard it is, and he's still optimistic, which is very interesting. So I'll come back to these comments more. I think after the trade deadline, that's when I think they'll be really revealing, and you'll go. Why did he say that if they were going to do this? Or why didn't he? Whatever. So that's, I don't know, it's definitely a big story. And I'm probably going to ask more guests about it. But, you know, there's only so much that can be said now. It's actually doing what he said that will be the story to me of that meeting. And luring fans back to his franchise. Because he did specifically say he didn't like how many Warriors fans were there for that. uh, It's tough to see. It's tough to see. Like, it really is. And I'm not from here. I am by no means like a fan of the Pacers. You know, I, I enjoy covering them and I want to see them succeed because when you get to know people and and around the organization, you want them to do well. And for the city, especially, because there are a lot of, you know, diehard Pacers fans here. There really are. Um, It's tough to see when I was there for the Lakers game, I went as, I went as just like on a personal day and I went for warriors for work. And I was just like, man, it is impossible to see, it, they're cheering more for the other team. And you hate to see that in a state that's so into basketball. And I know Herb knows that. He knows it. He's not He's not blind or deaf. He knows what's going on. Um, but, you know, he's going to keep the optimism. He's going to keep the peace between the people that he hired. You know, these are the people he wants them to do well. You better be hearing good things from your boss. Um, so I say we'll reevaluate in February. What What is the origin of the word diehard? It's a good question. Do you know that answer? No, I'm actually Googling it because I say it all the time, but just hearing someone else say it, I was like, Like you would do anything to anything for them. Death death or my basketball. You would die really hard for this team. (laughs) Really? And there's absolutely no hard that I would do that for. (laughs) (laughs) Karis Levert, let's just completely pivot from my stupid phrase and talk about Karis Levert because Despite being the subject of trade rumors, he has been balling recently. Karis LeVert on his easily his best stretch of the season, uh, kind of coinciding with McConnell getting hurt. But you know, he when I asked him at practice one day, like, "What's up with your assist numbers this year?" This was before McConnell got hurt. He's like, "I'm just not passing as much. That's not really what I'm asked to do. I know I need to be better about that." Now McConnell's out, and they're like, "Karis, you gotta be our backup point guard." Killing it. Five assists per game his last five games. Scored 31 against Detroit last week. 26 against Dallas a couple Fridays ago. Shooting much, much better from the floor in the month of December. Karis Over finally turning a corner as he gets healthy. Taylor, what do you feel like is driving his success recently as he scores 20 points per game in the month of December so far? I feel like that's what it is. I really do feel like it's a health thing and a confidence thing. He came here and it was, it was downhill from the start. It was... He gets a he gets an X-ray MRI and he has a tumor. So it's like, you know, it was never he came here kind of in turmoil and 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 duress. And it was, I feel like he never really got situated. And then it was good, and then he hurts his back. And then it's like it, he never really got in a rhythm. And when you're in a new place in a new city, I can understand. I don't care if you're a professional making millions and millions of dollars. It's not easy. You're not getting time to, and it's kind of like relatable to the Colts, in which I cover as well. In the beginning of the season, they were terrible. They were one and four because they had no time to practice together because they were all hurt. And it was like, so maybe now it's kind of feeling more comfortable. You know your teammates a little bit better, better, even though you have worked with them. But now you're really getting real time out there together as a unit. He said the other day, he, he, he's like, my health, I feel healthy. 
And and that's just been like, that's been an issue since, you know, his entire career dating back to college even. But, you know, I, I really do feel like it's health. I do feel like, I think Lloyd Pierce even talked about how they sat down and watched some defensive stuff because because Carlisle challenged him defensively and said, you need to be better. And I think it, it made him probably reevaluate overall. And then hearing the trade rumors, it's like, all right, I better step it up because either I'm going to be a key focal point here or I'm going to go need to make my money somewhere else. And I want my options open. Right. Um, so, I mean, that I think it's a, I think it's a combination of all those things just finally being settled, healthy, maybe reevaluating some things with the coaching staff, having some new brains in the building. Um, and then actually getting to show it on the court. And and I think maybe, you know, when you lose some other players, it allows you to open up your game a little bit. Yeah, I think the defensive challenge thing, and that coincided perfectly with they played the Wizards, and he yeah. mentioned after the game, like, I got to guard Bradley Beal, and, like, he likes guarding Bradley Beal, right? Like, that timing could not have been more perfect for him to put his defensive imprint on a game. And then they beat the Wizards in a rare only six-point win. Like, that's not a close game, but – that's as close as the Pacers victory is going to get this season. If it gets closer than that, they just lose. So, right. you know, to, to have it happen in that game where he has 19 points and helps them substantially by defending Beal the whole game, it had to be like, oh, wow. Like, I know guys know that if they defend better, the team will do better. But just the clicking moment of like, okay, like I could put my imprint on the game this way. I've seen him at practice working on getting all the way to the rim on drives. Norad's with right. him working on this a lot. Uh, Cheney's with him doing this a lot. And that's helping him a lot too. I asked him about that last week, like offensively. And he talks about pain touches all the time, but it seems like when he, unlike most guys, gets, gets into the pain, he is looking for his little floater shot thing that, you know, if you're on YouTube, you can see me doing the most right now, um, yeah. that he can make, but no one else in the team can really make. But he also misses it a lot. Like if he just got a little deeper in, he could pass or do a layup. He's doing that a lot better right now. In tandem, he's been great. And they've needed him to be great because they have you know, Brogdon missed some time. McConnell's been out and Wanamaker can't handle as much load as he's had to handle recently. Right. Yeah. So having him be at this level has been huge for their decent month so far, a month where they actually look like a competent NBA team. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I think they brought him here because they needed him to be that, you know, he's not necessarily, I wouldn't put him on superstar status, but he's a name that they brought here when they brought him here where they were like, wow, we got, we got Karis Levert in that whole trade deal. That was a big deal. Well, thinking back to what it was in March, I don't even remember when it was now. <laughs> January, it was January, January. God, almost a year ago. Like it was, and and then it was kind of just like a lull. And they brought him here to do exactly that. And I think uh, it's important, especially when there's just been so much in the news, and there's been so much <laughs> disarray. It seems like, especially I know a couple weeks ago there was that whole tiff with Sabonis. Or, well, people considered a tiff between him and Sabonis on the court and like in the bench area, whatever it was, I think it was made to be nothing. But um, I just think with everything that has been going on, it's finally settled. And this is why he came here and, and the confidence is there at this point. And it's in always the news. I, I need, a, I need more phrases for talking about this team right now. Like besides like distractions and articles and reports in the news. I'll use it, that one. They've been in the news. I've been using the synonym, the, the source.com to type report or rumor over and over again. I can only say so many words in the news. Making words. headlines. It's so succinct. Brogdon is going to be back against the Heat. Well, let me stop right there. He's not on the injury report. He also wasn't on the injury report last Thursday, and he didn't play that game. But right. assuming that that means he's back, um, you know, Karras will have a little less of a, of a ball handling role, but he still had the, those big assist games with Brogdon playing this month. So I think it's key for him to just continue to try to get all the way to the paint against – 
whatever players the Heat are playing. I don't want to get too much into their injury report because it would take the rest of the podcast. But like Literally. their entire team is basically it's, it's Kyle Lowry. Anyone that matters. Anyone yeah, matters. Kyle Lowry and and four guys that you may or may not have heard of before will be the Heat's lineup most of the game. Last thing, I've already kept Taylor 15 more seconds longer than I thought I would. <laughs> Chris Duarte is with the bench now, and he does not like not starting. He's kind of – he's not, like, vocal about it, but he very clearly when asked about it after games is like, oh, yeah, like, I get it. It's best for the team, but, you know, I like starting and stuff. And I like that call from the Pacers more and more as I think about it. I used to think it made sense to start him from the development standpoint like we talked about earlier – but one, given their point guard situation, they need more ball handling with the bench. But two, the Pacers' bench is terrible this year. What a random thing. Like, in years past, between McDermott and Holiday and McConnell coming off the bench, and they yeah. would, like, sub Sabonis in with that group. Like, their bench has been really good and one of their key things. As you go down the line and see fewer and fewer starters in the game, they just, like, they're they're 17th in the NBA in net rating with only three starters in. They're right. 24th in net rating in the NBA with only two starters in. Uh, and they're 16th with zero starters, and they're okay at 12th with one starter. But basically below average, as long as it's not all five starters. And right. so getting Duarte or getting any punch with that second unit seems like a key change for me, and that might be that might be a way I should look at it now, and not just what's best for Duarte, but can this help the team a lot more as we talked about that wins versus development thing earlier? I like it. I like him coming off the bench. He adds a spark. Um, you had you lose t- losing TJ McConnell was that's tough. I mean that is that's your that's your energizer bunny off the bench. That's that's your key right there. I, I honestly the depth depth behind him is still not good. Um, but at least having him out there, you knew there was going to be at least a couple times in a game that it, it was going to pay off. Um, so I like having Duarte coming off the bench, and his numbers have been good coming off the bench. It's not like they've suffered, and it's not like the Pacers have suffered with it. So I think I think his time will come. And there's going to be times during an 82 game season where he's going to have to start again and it's going to be okay. But, you know, in his first year, he got his feet wet, put him in that role, get a good feel for every single way that you can contribute on this team. And that's only going to help in the long run for him and this team as a whole. Um, and like I mentioned before, I like that he gets to watch it from that vantage point, watch how the team's doing. Hey, what can I do now when I'm about to sub in? What can I, what can I do better? Where does this, where do I need to contribute? I think that's a benefit for them. I think I agree with all that. And I think with Duarte and the second unit specifically, if I'm Rick Carlisle, the more the season goes on and I've thought about this, I would try to get as close as I can to making Sabonis and Duarte's minutes 100% overlap because, one, they already play pretty well together. They have some decent pick-and-roll chemistry. Two, Duarte has kind of recently talked about their fit together. And in one of his answers, he said, not ju- he said we fit well together and not just because you speak Spanish. And that – is a throwaway line and I get that means nothing but the fact that they can communicate more easily than Duarte can with other players mm-hmm. I think has helped him grow chemistry with Sabonis in a way that he can't with other guys as quickly not that he won't get there eventually and they play well together now we've seen Sabonis with the bench be awesome for this team under Nate McMillan I might try to get those two with second units together all the time I think that could be a way that that kind of maximizes Duarte keeps their second unit humming and doesn't get them in the situation they're in every game where it's like oh they just gave a potential run and they're losing again like they just get, I, I that would be my solution. I literally just thought of that while we were talking. Yeah, li- literally, it's always the end of the third, ending into heading into the fourth, and I'm like, what what's going on here? And it's because they just don't have the production off the bench like they normally they have in a, in years past. Um, so I do, I actually really like that idea, and I have you. It's very evident even if you just watch the game or you watch the bench. Those two enjoy each other. They enjoy wow. playing together. They feed off of each other very very well. So. 
I think the future is very bright. And I think um, that's definitely also something they're going to take into account um, when it comes to retooling this team, because if they're going to focus on Chris Duarte, you know, and his future here, uh, that's something they're going to have to keep in mind. Yeah, the numbers with both Sabonis and Duarte on the court are actually better than I thought even. they In uh, 643 minutes there, plus 63, 111 offensive rating, 107.5 defensive rating, so plus 3.5 per 100 possessions. It's pretty good. That that doesn't take into account who the other three players are at all, so that could be in, with their worst fitting groups and their best fitting groups right. all together. Yeah, just emphasize that a little more. I think you, you kill two birds with one stone there, so... That's something I want to see from the Pacers going forward. They've got the Heat tonight. Taylor's team. She'll be happy with either result. Uh, and I get to watch it. I get to actually watch it on TV. Yes. On TNT. Get together, Bally Sports. Figure it out. Yes. TNT will be fun. Uh, I forget who's on the call. I saw it earlier today. But it's always fun when the Pacers are on national TV, despite the fact that they always think it up, perhaps for once, with everybody out for the Heat. I guess I'll just read the injury report because we have reached the end of the show. If you're still here, you get to learn. The uh, six-game stretch is critical starting tonight. Starting tonight, that's true. They got to do well. No Jimmy, no Bam for the Heat, right? You got to take advantage of that. Tyler Hero's questionable. Caleb Martin's out. Markeith Morris is out. Oladipo is still out. P.J. Tucker got hurt in their last game. He's now out. They have to win this. They like That's a stretch. They don't have to win, but they really need to win this game. They've got more healthy bodies. It's a big one for the Pacers. Taylor, any closing thoughts for listeners today? Um, I say... Uh, keep the faith with this team and we'll talk after January. That's, that's yeah. my closing thoughts is give it January. Um, and we'll see what happens. Those are my closing thoughts. Yeah. That that's everybody's closing thoughts. It, it's so hard to get patients after 30 games, but their schedule like has been ridiculous. It's been so, we'll see what happens. Taylor. Thank you for the time. Everybody go follow her everywhere. Uh, at Taylor Tannebaum on Twitter. If you're on YouTube, you can see it right over there. I'm so bad at pointing in inverse. Uh, this show is at Locked On Pacers and me at TEAST NBA. Thank you all a ton for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>